think we are absolutely live now. So um, let's say welcome for me, I'm Amit Soda. For those who don't, I'm Amit Soda. And then, uh, uh, I had a few guests, unfortunately, sadly drop out. But I've got a nice lineup over the next couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. And today's guest is no exception. She's an incredible human being. And... Um, we do a little bit of work together. We've only just recently become acquainted, but uh, I've been, you know, really sort of uh, not impressed is the word, but just uh, enamored by the work. Uh, and so I wanted to bring this beautiful soul on today. Uh, and um, but if you're watching live right now and you can't stay for the whole thing, do not worry. You can watch the replay later. Uh, the podcast will be live on all um, uh, all major podcast platforms uh, shortly after the video has gone out. Uh, and I will include all the links as well so that if you have any questions, or you want to connect with today's guest, you are more than welcome to. Uh, and so on that note, I would like to uh, welcome this incredible individual. Her name is uh, Supertel. And she's written a book called P Putting the Human Back into HR. Um, but she's done a number of other things. So I'm going to let her give her first, like initially give her introduction about her story, who she is, how she's got to this point today from where she was before. Uh, and then we'll kind of do a deep dive into her story and her philosophy on life. So firstly, welcome, Sue. I'm the only one giving you the applause, but there will be more people. Don't worry, eventually. So. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, firstly, Amit, for having me on your show. And also thank you for the beautiful introduction. Um, and I was just saying to you, um, Amit earlier, for those of you that are listening, is that Amit and I have kind of seen each other in passing, on groups, on um, social media groups or on WhatsApp groups and stuff, but we haven't actually ever really had a proper conversation. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, this is our first proper conversation and we've just been kind of checking each other out, what each other's up to and, you know, the universe has kind of brought Are you checking me out? <laughs> with beautiful souls. Are you yeah, I'm following you <laughs> and your beautiful wife. Ah, oh, bless. Um, but, you know, it's just a real honour to be sharing this space with you today. And, you know, thank you so much for having me. It's, so, be it's beautiful to have you. Amazing. So, as you said, you know, just to give you, a, you know, the listeners a little bit of an introduction into me. Um, so, I've been in HR for 25 plus years, right? I know wow. I don't look old enough, right? I did start when I was like two. Um, but yeah, I've been in HR for well over 25 years and I really just love working with people. I have a natural uh, way of being with people and I found that way of being at the age of 18 when I first became a line manager for Tesco. Um, but my journey, you know, I worked for Tesco for over 27 years. I you know, was made redundant in 2016 and I set up my own company as a HR consultant, uh, helping small to medium businesses with my experience from Tesco. Um, and then I soon realized that it was pretty much, much more the same of what I've always been doing. And that actually, you know, I've got skills that can empower and help more people. And I wanted to help HR professionals. Um, I encountered quite a few HR professionals who weren't feeling very confident in their roles. And, you know, although they've got the qualification, they weren't feeling very empowered in the decisions they could make and in their leadership. So what I do now is I coach and mentor HR professionals because I think um, often coaching isn't enough for people. And having been there and done it, as we were sharing earlier, um, you know, with, the, with my experience, I'm able to mentor them as well as coach them. So one of the things, the reasons why I do mentor people as well is that with HR, predominantly, one of the areas that we struggle with is credibility. Um, you know, as a HR professional, you're trying to find the balance between, you know, listening to what staff and employees want and then also do what the business wants from you as well. Like you're paid by the business, but actually you're in the job because you care about people. So how do you balance the two? So, you know, and then you kind of end up being in a place where the staff feel like you're not there listening to them or supporting them. And the directors feel like you're too soft. So what do you do? You know, so I really work with HR professionals, like with my clients to really just find a balance that works for them and build their confidence to really step into their leadership. So that's what I do predominantly. I'm also the director of the HR Networking Club, where we provide a space for a group of HR professionals to come together in their local areas when we're not in lockdown um, <laughs> yeah. to kind of network and also learn from each other. Um, 
So yeah, and as you said, I published my book in 2018 called Putting the Human Back into HR. And like I said, you know, HR has, you know, not always had a great reputation. We're often reeling off policies and processes and the law and what you can't do. And, you know, the job has become all about what the, you know, what the book says rather than about really connecting to human beings in the workplace, really leading with, you know, love and, you know, compassion in the workplace. So for me, the book is pretty much about as a HR professional, how can you do that? How can you bring that? Because you're not just an employee in an organization, you know, although you're paid by the company and you are an employee, you're much more than that because you're responsible for the culture, the well-being of everyone in that organization. So you kind of got to step up into your leadership, even as an employee. Uh, and especially at this time right now, it's even more um, crucial because, you you know, with everything going on, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be people who are going to be reaching out to the HR resources even more so now um, with all the stress, the anxiety, the returning, the challenges, perhaps people being laid off, people being made, made to take on more responsibility and happening in an increase as well. Really, I've been really blessed because I don't really do much of the consulting now, so I'm not really involved as much in HR. But what I have, you know, got more involved in is supporting those HR professionals with the workload that they're dealing with. You know, there's so much, um, yes, there's lots of overwhelm, anxiety, and uncertainty for employees in organizations, and HR is predominantly having to take care of everyone from the directors to the employees you know, managing remotely, helping the managers manage remotely, um, you know, keeping on top of performance, keeping on top of, you know, well-being of people that often many HR professionals out there are not taking care of themselves, you know, are feeling overwhelmed themselves. And, you know, who do they go to? So in that sense, yes, you know, my work is a little bit cut out for me, but I love it, you know, like that's who I am for HR professionals is, you know, I am that kind of, that leader, someone who provides them with a space of being able to rant without being judged um, and also to just have their back in that, you know what, the decisions that they are making are the right ones and just trust yourself. And it's just great to be able to provide that, especially at a time like this. Uh, absolutely. And um, we've, uh, I think I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Uh, apologies if anyone's listening and hearing that. But once I start talking, it seems to go. Uh, but uh, we, we kind of uh, came up with the topic title for today called Leading with Love. So I want you to tell everyone what it means to, to lead with love. Where, where did you come up with that idea? What does that mean to you? What What is that all about? Yeah, so I... Um... A couple of things, really. So, you know, as I was starting off in my career, like, you know, as a young manager in, you know, in Tesco, you know, I was going up the ranks, um, I encountered a store manager that I was working with at the time. And, you know, I was very conscientious. I worked my way up from a cashier to a line manager and then done various line manager roles to really build my experience in managing people. And then I was, um, I became a trainee as a senior line manager at the time. And I remember, you know, um, being, you know, trying to get in in the morning to make sure all the standards and the presentation was right and really being conscientious. You know, I learned from some really amazing store managers with some really high standards and attention to detail. And you kind of need to be like that when you're in retail mm, um, so that, absolutely. you know, you can really serve yeah. the customers with the standards that, you know, to make them come back. Right. Um and I remember getting in early one morning and uh, we started a walk around myself and the night manager with the store manager and he was not in a good mood. And um, it wasn't a surprise that he wasn't in a good mood because often he would come in being quite grumpy and it all depending on whether his football team won or not. That's what we kind of <laughs> made it out to be. We don't really know the real reason. Um, but we was on the walk around and, you know, he was like, what's that? And we're like, what's what? And he was like, there's a shellfish label missing. And, you know, when you're doing the walk around in the morning, you know, we're writing down a snagging list of things that, you know, we can, because we're not going to pick up everything. Sometimes you, you know, as a team, you're picking up on stuff, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I said, it's all right. You know, I'll get that sorted as soon as we're done. And he was like, no. He said, are you stupid? No, he said, are you effing stupid? Right? Oh, wow. Um, so myself and the, and the night manager were there and I was like, oh, my God. And... Because I, you know, I myself at the time wasn't wasn't very um, 
self-confident or, you know, I was like, I wanted to get on. I was a trainee manager. I just was one, I was shocked, like with what he just said to me. But what I did know was it felt, it was very humiliating that he was speaking to me that way. Um, and then later on, you know, uh, we were just having a conversation and because I was a trainee manager, he kind of said, you know, as you, you learn in your role that there are times when you can speak to people like that and times when you can't speak to people like that. He said, you just got to know when you can. Mm. And I was just thinking at the time that like, there is no way that I'll be speaking to anybody like that. Definitely. You know? yeah. and, and I kind of went into HR because, you know, I wanted to be a voice for people. You know, I wanted to provide we spend like pretty much most of our waking life at work, you know, and for me, it's really important to create a safe space for people to provide a service, you know, not just for customers, but for the company that they work with, you know, um, and the people that they work with. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So for me, you know, going into HR was pretty much about that is, you know, how can I be a voice for people? How can I be someone who who's a real stand for people that they don't get spoken to that way? Um, and, and I was always very driven to, I think, you know, I just had a natural ability to work with people and, and um, find a way of motivating and developing people. And that is one of the best things that I loved about my job is really developing. I don't know how, you know, I've developed, I can't even count how many, like hundreds of thousands of people who I've helped develop from, you know, being an, an, a general assistant to going into a line manager role or line managers who want to become senior managers, you know, and I've really played a big part in so many people's lives so that they can go and create a better future for themselves and their families. You know, people that I worked with over 20 years, are, you know, contact me sometimes and, reminisce on the fact that you know I after an intervention with me they were able to then take their life to the next level and it's such a great you know like that feeling when you can really do that for somebody is so magical so magical (laughs) and satisfying and rewarding like all of those things um and and you know like that's for me leading with love is all about that you know how many managers would um, ask their people or their teams, you know, what do you want in life? You know, often we think employees are here to work for us, for the business, you know, to help us get more customers and get more profits and earn more money, da, da, da. But how many employers or team managers or line managers or directors would be asking their employees, what do you want for your life? And how can I help you get that? Because imagine and mean like, it, right? And mean it as well, not just yeah, say it. And, yeah, and what would it be like? Like, what impact would it have on that person that someone gives a damn? You know? It's so, it's so, on, it's, gonna say no, it. I was going to say, it's so, it's so true. And I think that even sometimes there are people out there who will say that but don't actually mean it. It's part of their script. Uh, and you can tell the difference between the people who genuinely mean it and people who are just saying it for the sake of saying it. Hundred percent, you know, and it's very, it's, it has been very. Um, I think it's been highlighted a lot with um, at the moment with the whole Black Lives Matter kind of stuff, isn't mm. it? You know, where um, it's come, it's all coming to the forefront. Like lots of organisations out there or leaders, if you like, you know. Um, I shared it today actually on somebody's post that um, organisations create like. BAME groups, for example, you know, to almost just tick a box to yeah. say that, oh, yeah, look, yeah. we're being inclusive, you know, but actually, what's it really going to take for you to promote a manager who's a woman or, or a black person or an older person or a younger person, you know, what's it going to take? Or in my case, yeah. an incredibly good looking person, which can also be a well, challenge in its own right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly that, right? Is what's it going to take, you know? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not just about ticking boxes. It's about really genuinely, authentically wanting to serve another human being. Like, I believe that when you're in a place of leadership where, you you know, your people have people reporting into you, it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege that you can serve those people and make a difference to those people's lives. You know, I always remember um, seeing an, an older gentleman at Tesco, you know, he's in his, like, late 50s early 60s and he's dealing with arthritis in his knees and his hands and he's you know working full-time filling you know heavy tins of beans on the shelf and you know he's struggling to walk and pull the cages and stuff like that you know we missed a trick with him like 
you know, we, we missed out on helping that gentleman see that, you know, life could be another way. You know, helping that gentleman see that, you know, you can have a dream to be, to live your life in a different way. You know, when you're at school, you have your teachers that kind of guide you and, you know, help you progress your thinking and develop your thoughts and, you know, your visions and your dreams. When you go to college, you have tutors, uni, you have your professors and, you know, your careers, tutors or whatever, you know. And some people don't go to college and uni. Some people hate school. Yeah. And then you go to work and you're just expected to be the full ticket. But as leaders, you know, who go through leadership training and coaching and mentoring and have access to personal development and leadership training and stuff like that, you know, we've got a real duty to serve humankind, to lead with love, to encourage another human being, or not even encourage, but involve another human being in living a life that they would dream to live. Do you know, you said two things there, which kind of thing I, I think strike, strike a chord with me, which is, oh, by the way, I'm just going to quickly say as well, for all the people watching out there as well, uh, if you want to leave a question, I am checking on the comments as well, so you can ask Sue, because uh, I had one immediate question, but which I'm just going to ask rhetorically for now, and I'll come back to later, which is about uh, what someone can actively do if they're in a situation where they feel quite disempowered at work, um, through, you know, whatever the reason is, you know, whether you've got a, a, an oppressive manager or, you know, a team you don't bond with or whatever it might be. So so we can kind of come to you and pose that question to you in a bit. But two things that you mentioned, which are quite important, is that, you know, uh, as coaches, we see uh, or what we do, we can sometimes see the results of uh, and seeing people, you know, like you were talking about reminiscing with someone who you, you've kind of, you know, helped change their life. And um, and I think that's why people like you and myself do this kind of work, because we know the impact it can have. You know, I think coaching is still you know, not a hundred percent mainstream profession yet. It's not like people go to university yeah, to train yeah. as a coach yet. So that's not there, but it will be in the future. I know that will, will be for sure. Um, but it's, yeah. um, but it's interesting as well. I do, when you were just talking there and you were talking about kind of the leader serving the people, I was reminded of one of my first ever office jobs I got to, um, uh, to work in. And it was a, it was a call center and it was um, selling these, you know, prepaid telephone cards and things like that. And I remember when I went through the training, the, the, the manager who was giving the training was really good. And he had a training lady with him as well. But I remember him showing this example where he like had a pyramid and he goes, uh, he said, let's flip this around. He goes, I'm going to be, uh, we're going to flip the pyramid around. I can't make the shape with my hand. But anyway, he goes, yeah. <laughs> I as the manager will be at the bottom serving you at the top because you're the ones making the money for the company. Uh, and, mm. and I think that's so important and you don't get that level of leadership in many places that for many people, seniority means, you know, you are the boss of people. And yeah, and you... that people should serve you. Exactly, yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that, that that mentality is a fantastic mentality, but, you know, getting people to, to apply it and live it is the tricky thing. I mean, um, you know, it's, again, it's not something you can force on people, that, that leadership mindset, um, rather than a managerial mindset. Mindset. Um, but you know, where, where's a good place to start? You know, if you, if you, if you're someone and you want to be a better leader and lead with love, right. You know, where, where do they start? Yeah. What do they do? Uh, well, the first place to start is with yourself. Um, and really looking at who do you really want to be for your team? Right. So I create, you know, whenever I, like, if I'm going to like, I've got a team of, I've got a team of like nine people. Yeah. And I decided that who I'm going to be for this team is I'm going to be love, I'm going to be leadership, and I'm going to be success. That's who I'm going to be for them, right? And I shared that with them. And I said, this is what I'm going to provide for you guys. This is who I'm going to be in every interaction that we have. This is who I'm going to be for you, right? And this is how it's going to look, right? And then I got everyone in the team to share who they're going to be for the team. But it's got to start over here is first of all, is who am I going to be for them? And then once you've kind of got who you're going to be for the your team, is then you've got to look at how are you going to provide that for your team? How am I going to, how am I going to express um, love, leadership, and success to them? You know, I've got to have a bit of a vision around, you know, what does that look like so that they know what we're aiming for? Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to start sharing with them, getting into their world and understanding who they are. You know, so for me... 
leadership is very much, um, you know, I talked about when we said earlier about that leader being about what you want. You know, it, there's a term for it. It's called service servant leadership. Uh, well, I call it service leadership. Um, and that's all about as a leader is asking yourself is one, who do I want to be for my team? But then two is how can I serve my team? Often as leaders, what we're thinking about is the task at hand is what do we need to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And then we start doing the thing. And rather than stopping to first be who we need to be, we end up just doing all the time. You know, we as leaders, we have these things to do list constantly and we're focused on the things to do list. Um, but rather than focusing on just that and then leaving everyone else to try to just kind of catch up with you or not even spending time with people is you've got to think about is who do you actually need to be to get to your outcome to, you know, have what it is that you want in your life. So there's a there's a model that is called the be do have model. You've probably heard it. Mm -hmm. You know, often we operate from what we want to have, right? So in mm -hmm. business, you know, we want to have um, great profits. We want to have the results. We, you know, in in life, we want to have the car, the house, the promotion, the pay rise, all of that. So to have that, we think that because we want to have that, we're going to do things that are going to help us have that. And the things that we end up doing are working long hours taking work home, being demanding of people, being really short and sharp with people, holding people to account all day long, not investing in our health, not investing in our relationships, all of that. Also that one day we could be happy, be content, be satisfied, be loving, be calm. And I always say to my clients here, is actually you've got to start with the being. Imagine if you were being that now, being calm, being satisfied, being loving, being supportive now, what would you do from that way of being? You'd do lots of different things, wouldn't you? You'd be mm. listening more, you'd be supportive, you'd be helping people grow their skills so that they can then go and do the things that you would be doing, taking home with you. You know, you'd be so much more nurturing and, you know, delegating, supporting, developing. And then what you find is rather than firefighting and working hard to get to the result, it's actually a lot easier to get to the result because you're going together as a team rather than you feeling like you have to do it all, you know, and then it's impacting on your health and your relationships and, you know, your situation and your mindset and your all of that, your well-being. So really think about who you need to be in anything that you want to achieve in your life. You know, I wanted to have a six pack, for example, you know, so to have a six pack, like I can't just keep doing the things that I'm doing and relentlessly, you know, walking 15,000 steps and doing gym work like 24 seven, you know, five hours a day or whatever. I've got to really think about who do I need to become first to, you know, have the body that I want to have, you know, so I've got to become someone who's a bit more consistent and disciplined and focused and then create from there. Okay, what can I do realistically every day um, and how long is it going to take? So have a real clear plan and do it so that it's not hard work. Um, but, yeah, it's really important that, you know, as a line manager, one is you think about who you've got to be first for the outcome that you want to reach and then look at, consider how are you going to serve your team. That, that's so true and firstly can I just say of course we all know you have a six-pack we can see it clearly I mean you know we could just, <laughs> we know that straight away you don't have to you don't have to brag about it we know <laughs> we uh we wait what you were saying is so true it reminded me was uh, giving me sort of um uh callbacks to some things I've been reading and listening to recently one of which is Simon Sinek he obviously he talks a lot about the be do and have and uh I was reading um Atomic Habits recently and uh, he was talking about the same thing that thinking about what is it you actually want to be you know it's, it's not that you want to make a habit to run every day you want to be a runner and that's where you need to operate from and understanding yeah. that that's part of your identity right you know do you want to be the kind do you want to just be um just a manager you know just does the the status quo but doesn't actually lead from the front and just tells people what to do or do you want to be someone who actually you know leads with true emotion actually emotionally drives people by finding their why and you know supporting their outcomes and i think that that 100%. is so true isn't it 100%. yes so yeah. so true 100 percent. and through that through that journey as well of um you know who i need to become is do i just want to be someone with a six pack or do i want to be someone who's disciplined focused 
and consistent. Because actually, by being someone who's disciplined, consistent and focused has really helped me in so many other areas of my life. You know, like you mentioned Atomic Habits there, you know, I read that book and like um, that's really helped me um, bring, you know, I always thought about meditation and, you know, doing meditation and kind of did it on and off, but couldn't really get into the habit of doing it. And one of the things that he talks about in the book is like how to reward yourself to create a habit. So I wouldn't reward myself with breakfast unless I've meditated, you know, and creating these daily habits, you know, has been transformational for me. So I meditate every single day and I don't eat breakfast until I've done it. So, you know, it's one thing like reading and, you know, getting more information about the things that you need to do from the books and articles and TEDx talks and podcasts and stuff like that. But it's really looking at how can you really apply some of the stuff that you learn in your life is every book that I read, I think about one thing that I'm going to take away from it and actually apply it in my life. You know, there's so many people, they call it, um, you know, shelf development, isn't it? They go yeah. into courses and they learn stuff and then they just literally put it on the shelf and like they don't actually do anything with it. So for me, it's really important that, you know, continuous learning is, um, is learning, but is actually also implementing you know it's it's yeah it's so true right and we were talking about this just before we came on right that i uh you know my personal ethos is if i'm going to coach someone on something i have to i have to have done it uh and yeah. without that for me that you know I, I know you talk about integrity quite a quite a lot as well for me that integrity isn't there you know i'm not going to coach someone on you know building a six-figure business if i haven't done it you know i don't i don't yeah. think that for me that that's right uh to even put that out there um but it's so, it's so true. I mean, like what you were just saying and everything, it's so, so true about, um, you know, that style of leadership and taking that on board and kind of looking at who you really want to be. Because I think that is fundamentally the big question, right? You know, who is it you really want to be? You know, and um, um, I, I've got another chain of thought, which I'm going to introduce you to in a second as well. But while we're just yeah. quickly just riffing, I'm just going to say hello to everyone that's joined as well, because it's lovely to have you on board. And because it's wonderful, people are taking their time out to be on the live. Uh, and if you have any questions for the lovely Sue, feel free to put them at her. But I, I just wanted to ask you something just out of curiosity, because again, while we were talking, just something came up for, as an old memory. And um, uh, I got asked once, what's the difference between being a manager and a leader? So I want to ask you, what's the difference between a, being a manager and a leader? So I think managers can be leaders too. Um, I think, you know, we do this in our leadership programs quite a bit as well. You know, we like to help the, you know, the people that we're kind of leading to at the time, you know, really differentiate the difference. And, you know, if you look at, you know, you can Google it, right, because we do get them to go and do that is, you know, management is about managing the day-to-day -day tasks around, you know, the everything, everyday things that you need to happen, you know, coordinating, uh, managing the schedules, the rotor, the shift patterns, and making sure everybody's doing what they're doing. But a real leader, which can also be a manager too, has, you know, is a bit more of a visionary around where does this team need to go, right? Is, you know, really looking at it from an umbrella-like place of like, you know, where does this team need to go? How can I take the team with me to where they need to go rather than focusing on just the day-to-day -day stuff? So a manager can have kind of both hats on. And and often, you know, I was talking about this earlier, actually. Sometimes line managers who are managing a team of people, they have the hardest job. You know, they're trying to be a manager, a coach, a HR manager, a leader. They've got so much going on, you know, and I'm just kind of comparing it to you know, the line managers at Tesco, for example, you know, they're dealing with so much. It's, it's often the toughest job because you've got to deal with what the directors are telling you to do. You've got to deal with your staff. You've got to deal with the HR person. You've got to deal with the customers. And they're getting it from all angles. And um, it's really tough for a line manager to also be a leader. But the ones who have really mastered it, you know, step into their leadership. And what they're creating here is not just managing and keeping the status status quo of where we are they're not just thinking about maintenance of the department or the team or where we are they're actually thinking about how can we progress you know how can we move this forward how can we be you know better bigger how can we do more be more and have more so um you know they're very forward thinking um and they will be prepared to 
put themselves on the line in terms of really overcome some of the things that, you know, that they might not want to overcome, but they need to overcome to take the team and the company or the business and, and provide the service that they really want to provide for their customers. But yeah, they're really thinking on a visionary level around how can we really progress. Yeah, I love that. And I think uh, I remember someone put it nicely to me once and they said, uh, you know, managers tend to be or, you know, tend to uh, leverage their logical skills more, whereas leaders tend to leverage their emotional skills more. Uh, because like you said, right, it's about the, the leader being the visionary and carrying everyone else forward with that vision or or putting yeah. it in a way so that people understand or are on board with the idea and mm. want to, uh, are invested in that idea, right? Because there's nothing worse than yeah. where you've got a team who just don't really care that much. They just don't care about, you know, what's going on. They're just there for their paycheck. And, um, and the, thing, the thing is around that as well, I mean, you know, like when people don't care, it's not that they don't care, it's that they're not engaged. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, that's down to how they're being led. You know, so they're, 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 they're disengaged in the business, into the manager, in what they're contributing. And there's lots of things that a leader can do to re-enroll people. But really, you've got to be willing to get into the world of people you know, a lot of managers are just operating at a very surface level with their teams, you know, like they're just workers or mm. they're just cashiers or just people who come here to do a job. And they're not just that. Often the cashier is um, a mother of three children, managing a budget, managing, you know, a peer as in her husband, um, you know, running the house, cooking the dinner, doing the ironing, cleaning the house, um, getting the groceries, like, they're leading a whole family into the next generation or their vision. They're carrying the vision of the family, you know. So when we look at our teams as just a cashier or just a member of staff or just an admin clerk or just, a, you know, we're listening to them as small people. We're actually their leaders in their own right. Yeah. And when you listen yeah. to someone as a leader, um, there's so much more potential to involve them into taking accountability and stepping into their leadership. And leaders create leaders, right? hundred percent. Like, you know, if you've got somebody in your team who is disengaged and is just here for, or you think is just there for the paycheck, then there's something that you need to look at in your leadership. And what, sure. and what specifically? Because I think that's a that's a challenge. I think for any leader, even the best of leaders, which is that you know if you've got someone who at first glance maybe they're just for just for a paycheck, right? What can you actually can, can you do anything in that situation? Is there anything possible that, you know that can be done? Yeah, the because... first thing you got to look at is who you're being hmm. as a leader. So when you take it back to who you're being as a leader, if you've got somebody who's disengaged, yeah, are you stepping into your leadership? Are you being in their world? Do you know what's really going on in their world? Do you know what they're dealing with in their lives? And why would anybody just want to come to work for a paycheck and not be happy? You know, we had um, a line manager on this course that we were um, delivering a few months back. And he said, oh, I've got this guy, right, in my team who's always late. Yeah, consistently late. And I said, okay, and have you spoken to him? He said, yeah. I said, what did you say? He said, oh, I said to him that, you know, you need to stop being late. And can you make sure that you come on time? I said, okay, so now what are you going to do? He said, now I'm going to have to sit him down and give him a disciplinary. I said, okay, have you spent an extra two minutes asking him why he's late? Because you don't know. He might be having to change his times picking up his child or dropping his child off. His parents might have become ill, so he's having to go and see them in the morning. Like, there could be lots of reasons. He's maybe, you know, something to do with, like, traveling or whatever that is. Like, you know, really taking some time out to understand what's really going on in his world and then decide whether you need to give him a disciplinary or not. But often what we see is that they come in late, we've mentioned to them that they need to be on time. So we think we've done our job, right? And then now they're disrespecting it because we've had a word with them about being late. So now I'm going to have to give them a warning. But actually a warning is not going to help you create loyalty with your team. Yeah. It's really understanding what is that person really dealing with in their life, you know, that's creating them to be late? Because nobody wants to be out of integrity. Nobody wants to really be late for the sake of just being late. Like, mm -hmm. why would you want to do that? You know, like, if you, if you 
when you've got loyalty, like you think about it, when you've worked for a manager and you've, you know, really looked up to them, you love the way they lead and stuff like that, would you want to do that? You wouldn't. You would want to do everything you can to make sure that your manager succeeds, the team succeeds, and, you know, you're a contribution to that team and that manager. Um, there's always, when that happens, there's always something to look look at over here. It's very, really over there with them. And as a leader, like, you know, you're like, um, you know, you've got you've got access to leadership skills and training and mentoring and, you know, personal development and stuff like that. You've got to look at really employing that and those skills to how you lead people. You know, often we lead people thinking they should be the same as me. I get in early. I work hard. I work long hours. You know, I get in early, work late. And I'm so committed. I don't have a lunch break. And we expect everyone to be on the same level. Well, if everyone was on the same level, there'd be no need for managers. We'd all be doing it. Mm. That's, so, that's so true. I think uh, <clears throat> that's a really good point about what you said, which is about uh, the leader looking to themselves first. Who are they, who are they being, right? 100%. Uh, who are they being? And I, I think that's uh, that's really true. But just putting a just being a slightly difficult devil's advocate, right? You're a leader and you've got a situation where you've got, you know, an employee that, like you said, right, maybe they're not turning up on time, but maybe that's just because because they're quite apathetic to the job and they are genuinely there just because they can get a page, they're getting their paid for it and that's what they want. Of course, in their head, they're thinking until something better comes along, I'll just do this. Um, you know, what can a leader do in that situation? What can they do with something like that? So I think if somebody's in that situation, there's been like a, a breakdown of trust, a breakdown of um, respect in that relationship by now, if somebody's in that space, yeah, where they're just there for the sake of being there. Um, and in that situation, a leader needs to um, have an honest conversation with that employee and say, look, I think, you know, perhaps maybe like, you know, what we're at, you've always got to take it back to, you know, and I said it earlier, like I've got this model that I use around performance is when the accountability for performance is with the manager over here, you've lost the game. You know, performance is the accountability of every individual in the organization. So your performance is your accountability. My performance is my accountability. And as leaders, we kind of take it on that actually um, it's my responsibility to manage you. Mm. And when we, when we do that, we've lost all power. You know, so for me, it will be... You know, if that employee's got um, objectives and goals and, you know, you've done everything that you can to support them and all of that kind of stuff, it's now kind of asking them and saying, look, have you delivered what you say you were going to deliver? And the answer is going to be no. Okay, well, how come? Yeah, it's always, you know, putting the the questions always, the, the ball's always got to be in their court about their performance. Mm. You know, um, you and when you do it, like when you create that kind of culture, it makes your a manager's job so much easier because you're not having to do all the hard work of having awkward conversations. All you're doing is saying, well, you said you were going to do this, this, this by this day, and now you've not done it. So what are you going to do? Yeah. And then you yeah. come to them. And then when you do that, like they will either talk themselves out of the job and realize that their values are not aligned to the business or the team. And, and they will go and find their happiness somewhere else. Yeah, it's actually, I'm glad you ended on that note because I think, and the reason I was playing devil's advocate there, because I think I was in the same boat and I, and being in that situation where I'm the employee and I'm struggling, um, uh, and I often think to myself, what would I have done in that situation if I was the leader? Uh, and I think you kind of said it there in the end, which was that if I was in that boat, I would probably say to that person, okay, what is it you want to do? And let me help you get there. Because I, yeah. I, there's no point in you being here, and it's not an, a resentful statement, but there's no point in you being there um, if you're not enjoying what you're doing. So let me help you then get get to where you want to be. And I'd rather, I think leaders can take a big lesson from that and just saying, right, okay, what can I do to help someone with their career? Because I think there's a lot of leaders out there who will say that as an intellectual statement, but they don't really mean it and i think meaning it and helping people and understanding look your people are not going to be around forever they're going to grow they're going to develop they're going to want to go into their own leadership positions they're going to want to um 
they're going to evolve as human beings as they get older yeah. and find what their passions yeah. are, what drives them, etc. And so supporting, genuinely supporting people on that traje- trajectory, that's a big word for this time of day, uh, <laughs> it's a big, it's, you know, it's a, it's a massive, massive thing. And I think that, um, that uh, it, you know, if I was in that situation now and I was uh, with an employee that was in that situation, that is the, that was the one thing I would say to them. So what can I do to help you yeah. get, get to the job that you truly want, where you actually enjoy turning up every day, where you enjoy doing what you're doing? 100%. When you look at, um, you know, sports teams, you know, they've got like their coach or their captain who really create team. Like they cannot operate as a sports team without each other, mm. you know, and it's the same in business, in work, you know, is how do we, it's, it's all very emotive, you know, like, you know, when we're talking about leading with love, it's generating those, um, you know, good emotions in the workplace, you know, not just with the, directly with employees, but creating that amongst their peers so that, you know, when times get hard, that they've all got each other's back. And in business, because we're so focused on doing tasks, we don't make enough time to nurture those relationships. Um, and we nurture those relationships through conversation and making time for people and getting into their world. Like, what are they really dealing with? Like, in my team, I know exactly what they're dealing with. I know what their challenges are. Um, I know what's important to them. I know what their values are. Um, you know, I connect with them on a one-to-one very regularly to kind of say, right, you know, how's things going? I know, you know, their children's names, their parents' names, like all of that, their dog's names or whatever, you know, like really getting into the world of what it's like to be in their shoes. Um, and it just makes the world of work such a nicer place to be. And we get the result as well. You know, like my team, you know, have really got my back. They have got my back and I really, you know, they've got respect for me, but I love them to bits because of who they are for me. You know, I've kind of, I kind of approached them and said, look, you know, I've got this new opportunity come along, but I can't do that. You know, well, not that I can't do that, but I want to do it, but I want to, you know, also want to be here for you guys. And they've all said, you know what, Sue, we want to create an environment and a space where we will hold the fort here while you go and do something, while you go and do that other thing. So you don't ever have to worry about what we've got here and we're going to hold this space for you. Mm. You know, like, it's so awesome. Yeah, that's so true. That's that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and um, uh, I was going to say, by the way, just for anyone watching right now, if you want to connect with Sue, uh, what's the just to, just so we know quickly, and I was going to lead on to something else there, but what's the best way people can get in touch with you? LinkedIn, Instagram, what's the best way to... LinkedIn is the best way. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, on Facebook, it's more kind of more of my personal journey on Facebook, but dominantly in terms of my work, um, I'm on LinkedIn. So, yeah. So I'm glad you said that, actually, because uh, you posted a really nice sort of a uh, um, uh, sort of mini article on LinkedIn today. And you were talking about when you're in a situation when you're confronted by colleagues or, if, or even even superiors uh, and this yeah. whole... Um, uh, in fact, let me let me let you articulate it as well, because it, it was a beautiful sentiment that you made today. And I think, it, again, it's quite an important uh, thing to mention now, flipping it over from the to the other side, the person in question, you know, when you're when you're in that situation, you. what you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, like um, over time, you know, I've 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 grown up lacking in confidence. Right. You know, not being being very shy, being very scared of doing things wrong, um, you know, and. Yeah, just really not holding myself, it being my power. And often, while I was developing this level of confidence or assertiveness or whatever, you know, I've had people share with me saying, you know, you've got to stand your ground, you've got to fight back and don't let people walk all over you and, you know, don't take crap from people and all that kind of stuff. And I made it mean that, you know, if somebody was being overpowering or, you know, was being quite demanding, you know, or humiliating or whatever, bullying behaviors and stuff like that, that I needed to retaliate and I needed to um, put my foot down and and almost become like them, you know. And in the few instances that I've done that, it's never really felt like who I really am. So what I've learned over time is that actually when people are like that is, you know, you just got to kind of get that they're dealing with their own stuff and that's their only way of um, being right now. Cause if they could be any other way, they would be right. It's really just accepting them for however they are. 
And what I've also learned is that I don't need to retaliate anymore. Often in the past, I used to retaliate because then it looked good because then people would see that I'm a tough girl, you know, like check me out. You know, I've got some kick-ass feistiness in me. Um, but actually, like, it didn't feel great being that way. And, and now I find that, you know, I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I don't need to make someone else look, look and feel wrong for the decisions they made or how they've come across. Um, that actually I can have a conversation with them afterwards and have them feeling really empowered as well as empowering myself to, you know, come to, um, uh, you know, come to a kind of an agreement or, you know, a new way of being to create a new possibility between us in our relationship. So I, you know, I don't ever feel the need now to retaliate or fight back and stuff. Sometimes it's just easier just to not say anything in the moment and be okay with it. I don't I don't need to have this thing where I need to look bigger than them or stronger than them or better than them or right. I don't need to be right anymore, you know. Um, I just need to be me. And, you know, knowing who I am is enough for me. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, uh, uh, again, I thought it was such a nice message because it's so easy in those situations to react. But just taking that moment just to... Before you do it, have a think about it, right? Who again? Who who am I being? Who do I want to be, right? In this situation, it's, yeah, it's exactly. so easy yeah. to react and get into that situation, and uh, 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 but then to get out of it afterwards, it's it's quite hard. If as soon as you've pulled the trigger on that reaction, then to then you know then you are just going to end up in a not a very nice situation, basically. And then yeah, and you and you and who do you end up being? Just like them exactly right exactly you know, so and you're not being you're not being true to who you are so if you're being true to who you are that you know it, it does take skill though like it's taken a lot of practice to get in that space because um i think somebody commented on my post saying it's really a you know it's not always easy to maintain that as human beings you know there'll be times when you're fight or flight and you're just going to revert back to you know retaliating and fighting and you know um so it does take something of you to when you're in the moment to really be you know like a consciousness or an awareness that you're almost getting sucked into an argument and um don't get sucked in (laughs) don't get sucked in because yeah it's hard because once you're there you start creating a listening you know that person will start listening to you as someone who does retaliate who you know who isn't really authentic Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, for me, I'm really, you know, I've been really working on being true to who I am, and yeah. that's who, that's just who I've got to be every day, and just being integrity with that. Yeah, uh, digressing slightly, right? This this conversation reminds me a little bit about um, uh, a me, uh, not not necessarily a meme, but um, I think it's Serena Williams who talks about this, and I've got to admit, I'm not a fan of her attitude, right? And and I, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but. You know, she she was saying, talking about you know like if, if you see an aggressive man in a workplace, you know it, he's being assertive, but if you see an aggressive woman, um, she's being bitchy or something. And I completely disagree with that because I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I, I call a spade a spade. If I see an aggressive guy, he's being an aggressive guy. If I see an aggressive woman, she's being an aggressive woman. I don't think that any of those are excuses for aggressive behaviour or any of that type of negative behaviour. Uh, and I think it all comes down to. Um, who we are as individuals and how we carry ourselves and the way that we are with people and like you know for me if I'm you know like we all have our own individual challenges right and you know I say this to a couple of friends of mine who are really close friends they're, they're, they're the only ones who can really push my buttons you know I'm, yeah. quite, I'm quite a calm person in most circumstances now you know I've learned to master myself to that level but it's my close friends who push my buttons the most um mm. Uh, and uh, but in those situations, I think that you know there isn't ex- there isn't any excuse for that kind of behaviour. That there is a, a there is another way. I don't care who you are, wo- man, woman, transgender, black, white. Don't throw that those labels at me. And it's about something like that because it's got nothing to do with that. It's about you as a human soul behaving in a way that is not conducive to getting a you know, a nice, beautiful reaction out of the people you're with. Uh, and for me, that's just so, so fundamentally important. But, um, but yeah, anyway, sorry, I digress slightly, but I just... That, no, and um, I think you're making a really valid point. I think it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman or a transgender or black or white or, you know, old or young or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think um, 
if you're being your true self, um, that's all that really matters is mm-hmm. just be you. you don't, you know, when you're being aggressive, you know, again, there's an underlying insecurity there that you feel you have to be aggressive because naturally as a human being, that's not who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, fundamentally as a human being, we are all about love and connection. You know, so if we're being anything other than that, there's an insecurity or an underlying something going on there that needs to be looked at for that individual person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't agree with that at all. You know, I've, I'm a, I'm an Asian woman, um, been a leader in many different situations, and I've never had to be aggressive with people to prove a point or yeah. to yeah. to be a certain way or whatever. Uh, absolutely, yeah. So, hi, just quickly, hi to everyone watching as well. So, if you just joined, we are sort of approaching the end, but you're you're listening to my lovely guest there, Sue Patel, uh, who's written a book and authored a book called "Putting the Human Back in HR." Uh, uh, and overall, cool, cool chica. You know, she's just a wonderful human being and soul as well. So, I thought Thank let's you. let's let's get Thank her. Thank you, hi everyone. Let's get her on. <laughs> let's get her on the podcast. Uh, and uh, so, listen. Uh, another sort of a side note for you as well. So. Based on everything that you've done, everything that you're doing, everything you want to do, what's the legacy you want to leave on planet Earth? What is the true legacy of your work you want to leave behind? Like when people think about Supertel, what do you want them to associate with that name? Yeah, do you know what? I, I do think about this quite a lot because um, when I was a young manager, one of the first books that I read was um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the habits is begin with the end in mind. And I'm always thinking about like, you know, when I leave this place, when I, you know, when I move on, you know, what's the legacy that I want to leave behind, you know, and I always kind of think like, I want to be remembered for how I made people feel. Mm-hmm. You know, And there's a saying, isn't there? Like, it's people won't remember you for what you did and what you had, but they'll remember you for how you made them feel. Yeah. And I want to be remembered as, you know, genuinely being what I say I am, which is, um, you know, a leader, empowerment and love. Like, that's who I really am, right? And I want to be remembered as being someone who always loved, who always empowered, and who always had great leadership of, you know, just taking people where they want to go and just listening to people's greatness. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me a little bit of um, uh, a video. I think uh, you may have missed it, but I posted this on LinkedIn a few weeks back, and it was uh, about... Uh, uh, a gentleman by the name of Jim Quick, who's an incredible uh, human being himself, and has written a book called uh, Limitless. And he was in one yeah. of the, in the book. He talks about one of his uh, stories about Will Smith, and he was uh, with Will Smith and doing some work with him. And um, he asked Will Smith. He said, well, "What is your what's your sponsoring question uh, in life?" And uh, Will Smith answered. He said, "You know, how can I make this moment amazing?" Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, obviously that just blew him away, but he goes, okay, so how can you make that even better? Uh, and can you make it even better? And Will Smith sort of thought for a moment and thought, well, uh, I can improve upon it. Actually, I'm going to start asking, how can I make this moment even more incredible? Uh, and, um, uh, and it, you know, it's cause he, he's driven by the way he makes people feel. And that's why it kind of made mm. me think of what you were saying as well. And I think that I'm driven by that a lot as well Is that, how do I, how am I making people feel in the moment, you know, and this is why I'm a bit of a joker and a bit of an entertainer, you know, that, that, that essence of me will never disappear. They'll always be there. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah no it's a beautiful answer I think that's a great legacy to leave behind and I think that uh, um, that that's definitely going to happen for you and you know it's Thank you. Um, and just to, just to share a little story around that you know um, I've shared this before in a video like my dad and I didn't have a great relationship for many years like you know my dad ended up leaving um, when I was about fourteen and you know he then kind of went to live his life. Um, and you know didn't really stay in touch with with any of us and we were kind of like left with our parent with our mom to kind of get on with life and grow up and all of that kind of stuff and I remember over the years you know I really made my dad wrong you know like what kind of a dad is he he doesn't care he doesn't do this he doesn't do that you know why would he not want to know how his kids are and not be around and I made him really really wrong and I was like my dad's dead to me and all that kind of stuff but one thing that I realized, like I went and, you know, went on this personal development program with Landmark and, you know, like I was like in the moment and I really saw for myself that actually, do you know what, it doesn't matter who my dad is for me, it's who do I want to be for my dad. 
And I called him up after all that time. You know, I think it must have been about 15, 16 years or whatever it was. And, you know, I was I apologized to him for not being in his world and not being around, you know, for him and stuff like that. And all he said was, you know what, it doesn't matter. He said, how's my granddaughter? Oh. You know, and that year was the first time that like, my dad had all of us kids. You know, he's obviously he's got another two kids um, in his new relationship and, you know, the grandkids and, you know, the family around um for dinner on his birthday and I got to create that from my you know from my new way of being with my dad and and now I kind of apply that in everything that I do actually I don't think about what other people and organizations can do for me it's you know I really think about actually who can I be for them you know and I was just sharing with somebody this morning that you know when you're walking in the street or you're going for walks and or you're running and stuff and you're seeing people who don't necessarily make eye contact with you but the minute you look at them and you say hello, you don't know what they're dealing with. You don't know what thoughts they're having. But the fact that you interrupted their thoughts could have made their day. It could have changed their mind about something that they were going into a negative thought or pattern around or whatever. So always think about, you know, that it's not about them saying hello first. It's about you being and showing up as a leader for people. Do you know if you if you were to ask Nithi, uh, my wife, you know about that because she she uh, uh, she loves it really, but she makes a bit of a joke that I kind of like stop to talk to people, especially dog owners, but people in general. I would just say yeah. hello to people. I'll just try and get their eye contact and just say hello to them, and you know, like in the morning, our morning walks, and we're out Amazing. very early in the morning, and uh, and I absolutely love it, and I just I, I like that. You know, it's creating a nice community atmosphere where we live, and oh, you know, you start yeah. to see the similar faces every day, and it's nice to say hello to them. There's one guy who runs past every day. And I always say hello to him. And there's another guy who walks two dogs. There's another elderly couple who walk their dog. Um, there's another lady we met the other day who again walks her dog. And I met, said hello to her. And then I met another lady who walks her two dogs, and she got a new dog. And the the other dog's getting a bit grumpy, but we made friends with her anyway. And the the, the little dog <laughs> loves me. And then it turns out she also knows a dog owner who I used to know many years ago. And then we bumped into the other day as well. And I, I absolutely love it. And you know, just having this community and um, amazing. Yeah, and it's just. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's been uh, it's been a great experience. And I just wanted to say as well the last thing you mentioned about uh, that's such a beautiful thing what you mentioned about your dad because you know even when you see Hollywood films you always see it you know like oh my parents were never there my dad was never there for me man my mom was never there for me right but you know what you're saying there is so beautiful you know how can I be there for them we always have to assume that it's about the parent being there for you what about you being there yeah, for them. And we create that, you know what, that our parents are like these people who have got it all together, but they're just human beings like you and me are. They're also dealing with their insecurities and their limiting beliefs. And, you know, we look up to our parents as if they've got it all together and figured out, but they didn't come with them. You know, they didn't get a manual on parenting and they're also dealing with their insecurities and their limiting beliefs that were passed on from their parents and, and all of that. And actually how long, uh, you know, for me, when I was thinking about it, is how long am I going to torment my mum and dad for how my life turned out? Mm-hmm. It's not their fault that my life turned out the way it did. You know, I became this angry, judgmental, gossiping young lady, right? It's not their fault. You know, they did the best they could with what they had. You know, and now it's for me to look at is it doesn't matter who they are and what they are and what they did and didn't do. Is Who do I choose to be now? You know, you, na- so- you nailed it, sister. Who do I choose to be now? Yeah. And, and you can choose in any moment who you want to be. Love it. I love it. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think that uh, on that note, we'll end there because that's quite a powerful statement to uh, to let people ponder on, right? Who are you choosing to be in that moment? And that's a beautiful oh, thing amazing. What a way to end. Wow. Virtual, yeah, high, what, virtual high fives. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really beautiful Amit thank you for just creating this space I, I loved sure. it I loved every second of this today as well it's been wonderful thank you so much for being on and um, for um those who've just joined or those who are watching and you want to watch back or listen back it's going to be on all the podcast platforms in the next few hours i will add all the links i will uh, share sue's link so you can connect with her as well um but i just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure to everyone who's been listening in or watch thank you for joining us on the feel inspired podcast episode 14 with the lovely sue patel you're really nice thank you beautiful round of applause <laughs> and uh, i'm going to be back on friday with another lovely guest um called smitha joshi so 
I'm looking forward to that on Friday. And then I've got two more guests lined up for next week. So it's going to be a uh, fun podcast full couple of weeks, which I'm, re- which I'm really looking forward to. And we just had someone say good morning from Japan as well. Hello. Uh, so, wow. Hi, Japan. <laughs> so it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me. And I will uh, catch you later. Stay on with me while I end the live. Uh, but to everyone yeah. watching, have a beautiful, beautiful uh, Tuesday evening. And we'll see you all soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you.